This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Welcome once again, nerds, geeks, and gamers, to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. I am Jason Chevron Chops, and it is currently December 5th, or Chops Eve, if you will. Today on the show, it's just me again. I'm going to walk through the epic first annual Portland Podcast Festival that took place on the 2nd, followed by a few of the games I picked up and have spent some time with since Black Friday, as well as an update on the state of the best, worst game of the year, Battlefront 2. Before we begin, though, I'd like to thank each and every one of you that were able to make it to the festival this weekend. It really put a lot of gas in my tank, seeing people react in real time to the show and meeting fans new and old. Thank you so much for making your presence known. I will do my best to entertain and not let you down. Audio from the live recording should make it back my way soon, and I will likely plug it into the next episode for the rest of the world to enjoy. Until then, be sure to like and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter using at WAG Podcast. Subscribe and review the show on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. And do tell all of your friends and grandmothers about the show. The way of the future. This is the Will Adjusted Gamer Where to begin? Ah, how about this first annual Portland Podcast Festival? Oh boy, it was exciting. Man, like, I'm still kind of recovering at this point, just trying to reassess what reality really is, because it was, I don't know, transcendental in a lot of ways, uh, kind of an out-of-body experience. <laughs> it was... An amazing event. It was so cool to meet fans of the show, um, new and existing. It was it was awesome to have people come up and say, "Hey, yeah, I've been listening to the show for a while now," or "Hey, I'm going to listen to the show now." Like, I'm I definitely want to check it out. Like, ah, it was great. Just proof that time and effort well spent. And I appreciate all of you. Thank you for the feedback. Um, thank you for the questions, for the conversations, and do continue to reach out. I mean, I love it. I love having a, a dialogue more than just a, a dissertation or like I am right now. I'm just talking at a microphone. So I, I like that. I like the interaction. Um, one of the other great things was just the reactions as I'm reading through the stories and, and doing my thing up there, the reactions of people in the audience, like the, the oohs, the ahs, the, 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 what do you want to call it? <laughs> like the, the gasps. That's what it was. The gasps that got me. I guess I have trouble with that word. Gasps, gasps, Oh, so for anybody that wasn't there, the topic of the evening was what I call crypto gameology. Some of the myths and rumors that exist out there in the video game world. The research that I did, my God, I spent just a couple of nights, I think really just digging through some YouTube videos, a couple of forums and things about the, the topics that I went through. Topics which include the Nintendo PlayStation, the Atari Tomb, the Lavender Town syndrome i think is what it was called um michael jackson and sonic the hedgehog 3 kill switch the game and polybius the game i think that was everything but yeah over probably like the week or two leading up to the podcast festivals when i really knuckled down and got the research done and then put together a kind of walkthrough or script There's a little inside baseball for everybody to see kind of what what went into this um unlike now where i'm just going off script i've got like a outline of things i want to talk about for the podcast festival i didn't want to mince words and kind of burn my time because i was on a crunch time i had 20 minutes explicitly so had to make sure that i could fit everything that i wanted to in there or see where i could cut or expand so doing that i started with my outline and then i 
fleshed everything out, made full sentences and paragraphs and everything, and then just practiced for a few days. I have multiple recordings now of the the beta versions of the conversation or the, again, presentation, I guess is a better way to say it. But printed everything out, got my little Jay Leno note cards and just burned through it. And it worked out very well. Um, I had kind of a little bit of anxiety about just the fact that I'm going to be reading everything. It, I don't know. It didn't gross me out completely, but what really got me back to like a comfortable zone with it is thinking, I mean, God, how many things do we see every day in entertainment that are fully scripted? Every TV show you've ever seen, unless it's a sketch comedy show, and even those, like something like Saturday Night Live that's live and, uh, I mean, kind of sketch comedy. It's not improv wholly, but they write out and rehearse those scenes. They, they come up with it, they rehearse it, they practice it, and when they finally do record it, it's like nailed down. So that's more or less what I did. I made a hard outline. I basically wrote out everything I wanted to say, peppered in a few jokes as bad as they could be for me, just a bunch of shitty puns, but <laughs> I got that stuff in there and then just practice it, read through, got comfortable with the material, did not truly memorize any of it. I was pretty comfortable with the, about the first half, but once it gets into like the nitty gritty details, it's like, how, how could you remember all of that? And I mean, did you, did you want to? I, I don't, I don't want to have all this stuff kind of locked in my brain. I don't want to be able to recite this whole 20 minute thing at any point later in my life. <laughs> That's not how podcasts work. A lot of it is just off the cuff. You, you spray it out, you get it out there and it's gone. It's out in the ether. And it is kind of funny and sad that once a podcast episode is done, once you've done an interview or gone through, it's it's actually hard when somebody comes back up to you later. Like Max says this to me all the time. He'll ask me about something or reference something I talked about in a podcast from a week or two ago. And it's like, I, I, sure, like, I guess. <laughs> Unless it's like a, a specific opinion or something that I that I felt strongly on. It's, it's hard to recall. But, um, Aside from that, it was still a lot of fun. It was, what is it? Work? Like, of course, a different kind of work because it's fun stuff and you're not getting like paid for it. You're not on the clock. There's, There's nobody to report to except for, I mean, people like in the end, this, that's, that's the whole payout is just, do people like it? Do people appreciate it? And absolutely from what I took from the whole event is yes people love to pick up what I was laying down so very exciting very uplifting rewarding all of that I mean like I said tons of gas in the tank really gets me excited to to keep moving forward with all this and keep the the wheels running turning on this whole podcast endeavor and I thank you so much again for everybody that came out came up talked to me told me where they stood with it, how they felt. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, For the festival itself, it was an awesome venue. It was a great setup. They had the big main stage, um, tons of seating in there. And then they had the second stage, which was in the lounge area, which is kind of like a bar type setup. Um, And we had a, there's like a smaller stage up in the corner. And that's where I got planted with the other half of the podcasts. And it was fine. It felt small-ish, but because it was standing room, I think you got a not the same amount of people in both sides, but definitely close. And the other thing that worked in our favor is the fact that everything was staggered. So one podcast would overlap about halfway into the others. So whatever's going on the main stage, 15 minutes into it, I believe, the other podcast on the other stage would start. So people were constantly like shifting back and forth between the two stages. Nobody was stuck in one place. And I think that actually helped get a lot more traffic for all of the podcasts overall. The only people that probably missed out on anything that they wanted to see were in another podcast and wanted to save their seat maybe. But overall, you could at least see the beginning or end of everything that you wanted to see. Um, It was packed. I mean, when everybody came into 
the lounge area, it was full. It, I mean, it was standing room only. There was only a dozen seats anywhere, like bar stools at the bar and then a few tables up in front of the stage, but that's it. Everything else was standing and I just saw heads everywhere. So that was very rewarding to me. That was electrifying. Like I said, the reactions from everybody in the crowd was great. A lot of um, interaction and feedback from everybody, which was awesome. And yeah, now, God, just still an exhausting thing. <laughs> like it was a long day. Oh boy. Like I said, exciting. It was well worth it. I can't wait to hopefully be a part of it next year. This thing is going to be huge. Uh, there's other podcast festivals already out there in the world. There isn't one in Portland that anybody can think of or knows of. And this is it. This is our our flag in the sand claiming this. And hopefully, like I said, next year will be bigger and better. And like a lot of the festivals and events and expos that go on in town, it has nowhere to grow or nowhere to go but up and out. It's going to expand. It's going to grow. And man, who knows? Sky's the limit. Hopefully it's like all the other things that start out on a small stage and work their way up to like the the expo center or something where you've got multiple stages and multiple rooms and oh i just can't wait it's it's so exciting to be a part of and i'm super thankful to greg and sarah and jason lamb for putting all this together um the fun employment radio network all the other podcasts that were part of it the friends and family of the the potter and family as people call it it's it's great i mean this is what it's all about. It's about the community. It's about networking. It's about meeting everybody that's doing the same things, has the same interests as you, realizing that, yeah, you're competing for an audience in a way, but at the same time, like, it's not like there's some kind of championship to be won or like some golden prize at the end of the tunnel. Like, that's not why people do this or why most people get into it. We get into it because we have something to say. We have opinions that we want to share. We want to have these conversations and meet people with similar interests or dissimilar interests to have, uh, what is that? Like a, something about like discourse. What, what whatever, you know, sometimes the vocabulary just doesn't catch up with my brain. Like <laughs> whatever it is, it's having those conversations. That's, that's what this is all about. Um, again, just look forward to the next podcast festival. Who knows? Maybe there'll be some other live shows down the road once everything really gets going and picking up. I'm sure Greg and Sarah have lots of plans of stuff that they want to do, and I will definitely be a part of as much as I can. Moving on from there, as promised, a little talk about what Black Friday was like for me. Um, everybody knows Black Friday, horrible disaster. If you're going anywhere, trying to get into any store, which... Almost nobody I know even attempts or considers doing at this point. I feel like everybody's done it once or twice and now would never do it again. You see and hear all the horror stories of people getting trampled and, God, people fighting over TVs and dragging each other around the store and just the insanity that can go on in the physical realm of Black Friday well, then there's also the digital realm that continues to grow year over year. That's where I spent my time. I didn't even consider looking at Amazon for anything. Like, their whole Cyber Monday thing has always been just a kind of a BS deal overall. But um, on the video game side, oh boy, this is where your dollar goes double the distance that it would a week before and a week after. Like... The, the week of, from Black Friday through like the first half of the following week is about the best time to be a gamer in the market for buying stuff. It was, I don't know, there wasn't anything super outrageous or crazy. There was no like BOGOs, nothing insane. But a lot of the games I had my eye on for the last good while finally came down in, a, in price to like a reasonable range. There was still... There was a couple sales that pissed me off because Gran Turismo Sport, it's something that I still have my eye on. They're, they're adding updates to it, so it's getting a little bit further fleshed out, a little bit better in terms of being a full release. Still nowhere near worth the full price of $60, $70 for a game. But 
the thing that sucks is in the UK, the price dropped to like $30. Over here, the best I saw was 40 something. It was like a 25% off, if that. Not quite enough to get me to pull the trigger on it because there's other stuff that I'd rather play and at that price point would much rather buy. At that price point, the thing I would much rather buy ended up being Forza Horizon 3. Forza Horizon 3 is about a year old and it's more or less an open world racing game with Forza physics for the most part. It's something that I like to just kind of fart around in and it's that, that need for speed style. Again, open world, no rules, just here's a bunch of races, a bunch of different events with maybe some kind of story tied to it, but that's it. That's, that's, that's the perfect kind of arcade candy for me. That's, that's my, my caramel corn, however you want to describe it. This is, this is my kind of, oh, zen, just get in and put around. It's, it's what I end up doing most of the time in like games like Grand Theft Auto as well. Like those are my zen games when I want to just jump into something, fart around for a couple hours and just chill out, not have anything real heavy duty laid on me especially not like hardcore multiplayer at all. That's where I find myself more and more with, with racing games, especially is the multiplayer side is just such a, a hard thing to get into because you're either in open lobbies where everybody's a maniac or you're in these private clubs that everybody's on the other end of the maniac spectrum. They're like super serious about it and go way too in depth to tuning and everything. And you can't compete with any of these guys anymore. So Forza Horizon... Um, Need for Speed, those type of games, they're they're in the middle of the road where they don't give you, again, that, that full simulation experience, but also they're not completely arcade. This isn't like OutRun or one of those like, what the hell are the super off-road or something like in that genre of just ridiculous racing games. Um, but with that said, Need for Speed, uh, what is it? Payback? is the newer one that came out. I saw that it got down to around $35, but Forza came down to like 25, I think when I bought it. So I figured it's a game that's been out. It's been pretty well received versus one that is kind of nebulous still. The, the reviews are kind of bad for Need for Speed, like I said previously on the last podcast, but they're not even as bad as the previous Need for Speed, which I really liked. So I'm kind of confident that I will enjoy that Need for Speed game, but still not confident enough to put my money on it. I want to rent it. I want to get it through Gamefly or something and try it out before I plunk down anything for it. Forza, on the other hand, I was able to try the demo of that a, a long time ago when I first like set up my computer, my new gaming PC. So I knew what I was getting into. And I, I like I said, I know from kind of like the community of it out there that it's got plenty of game it's really good it's there's so much to do and see i'm in so i threw down the 25 for that i mean god where to start it's such a huge game um i've had fun with it but it is kind of bittersweet in a couple ways start off i'll just follow my outline here this is the land of a thousand crashes so more or less it feels unnatural and uncomfortable to try to drive professionally in this game. If you're not power sliding and drifting through every turn and you're not like flying off the road and taking crazy shortcuts, you're not going to win. It seems for the most part, if you're taking like a nice hardcore racing line and using your brake points properly and trying to drive through without losing traction, you will get past like the, the AI is on a completely different level than your physically capable of being I feel like in this game so far so with that said once you do kind of let loose it becomes a lot more fun these games are supposed to be set up for your playstyle being flexible so you can play it like a need for speed arcade game and drift all over the place or you could take it straightforward like a simulation and drive like a professional but I don't feel like that's really possible most of the time um I had to turn, there's visual damage and then like mechanical damage, but the mechanical damage is so overdone that you'll be driving around and of course you're out in the open country and 
<laughs> sounds stupid to say, but when you crash into something doing 150 miles an hour, your car gets pretty screwed up, which good, okay, but the way it does it is it just like makes it run like shit. Like you'll hit the gas and the car just will like sputter and not go anywhere. Really a problem when you've got six miles to drive to get to like the point of interest that you're trying to get to. There's a fast travel function in the game, but it costs like 10,000 in-game credits to use it. 10 of those, and I mean, if you fast travel 10 times, that's a $100,000 or credit car that you just can't buy now. Like, <laughs> so that there's definitely more than any other game I've played. There is a weight and a cost to fast travel that is insane. Like it hurts. So first thing I did after playing for a couple hours was turn the damage off. I mean, it's on visual still, but the mechanical damage was just, it made the game almost unplayable because yeah, if you're in the middle of a race, you have one medium crash and that's it. You have to restart. There is no finishing the race. So especially again in an arcade game like this where you can't drive like a professional sim thing it, yeah it's not happening um some of the other things it's god most of my notes are negative but it's it's weird because it's not i'm gonna play the hell out of this game this is a game i will put probably 40 to 60 hours in and never finish just getting in and putting around for a couple hours here and there like it like i said it's just that zen game for me but um the story mode that is built into it is just okay, if even that. It's pretty boring in vanilla. You open up a festival, you do races around it, it expands the festival, you do some more races, that expands and allows you to open up another festival in another section of the town, or the section of the continent, and then you do the same thing over and over and over. There are random things to find out in the world. There's like these special crazy stunt jumps that you can do here and there. There are a bunch of different races. There's like scenic spots where you stop and take a picture. All these things get you credits towards unlocking new stuff, new cars, um, buying new cars, but that's it. Like it's, it's just rinse and repeat just over and over and over. So what I'm thinking would have been nice is if they could have peppered in some kind of drama like if there is a competing festival out there as well, like the, the, the bad guys, the, the dark side of the festival format, like coming after you, you know, getting in on your turf or you're the underdogs trying to take out the big corporate guys that have all the billions of dollars behind them and you're trying to do this grassroots thing would have been way more interesting. You know, having these enemy festival cars coming in and crashing your events, you know, like, Oh, this is this is a straight up race. There's all these people, and then oh no, here come those those enemy cars with their custom paint jobs that you just know it's them. They've got like the the matte black cars with the neon green on the rims or something, something that calls them out. You know that sets this this tone that that gives some kind of character, some kind of nefarious energy out there. But there's there's nothing there's nothing like that. Again, more more of my kind of machinations of what I'd like to see you. When you're out on the open road going in between events, these guys will just pop out of nowhere and like challenge you to a street race or something, you know? And then you can challenge their best racers to claim dominance of the area or win credits or their cars. I mean, all these things they could have done that, nah, it's just go here, race that, race this. Okay, you unlock the next thing. Here's some money. Now buy another car and do this event. Like, eh, I guess that's it. So it's a little lackluster in that regard. The other thing that's kind of a bummer is the progression itself. It feels really slow. Um, when you start out, you make a shitload of credits. You can buy the first couple of cars that you want. And then it just hits this nasty doldrums in the middle where I'm at, where it just takes like, it, it, it feels like you do a couple of races and you quote unquote level up, but then you look at your, your cash account and there's nothing in there. Like, I feel like I've been at 200,000 credits for, I don't know, 10 hours of gameplay. It's like every time I make a little bit of money, I have to spend 40, yeah, like 40 to 60,000. I don't think I spent 60,000, but like you buy a car, you spend some time upgrading it, 
then you go do a couple races and then you want to like kind of change gears, grab another car and do the same thing. So I've just kind of been spinning my wheels and not making any real progress. Then there's another thing where when you start expanding your festivals, each time you do it, you get a special offer where you get to buy um, one of a selection of cars. So it'll throw like 10 cars out. You could buy them at a discounted rate or discounted price. The first couple of times it did that, it was a deep discount. It was 50, 60%. Now it's like 10% for no apparent reason, except to make you have to grind more. So I stopped buying them. And it says, well, if you back out of this, you won't get this offer again. It's like, good. <laughs> These offers suck. Like, it literally started with, um, like, a Mercedes top-tier, like, saloon car where it would be a $200,000 car. You could buy it for $100,000. That's a crazy deal. 100,000 credits, though, back then was a lot. So I ended up buying, like, a $100,000 car for 50,000 credits, that type of thing. Well, now those... 200,000 credit cars are 190,000 credits with the discount. No, I'm still not going to spend that much. And it's, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, it feels punitive for some reason, as, as opposed to like a reward for unlocking and continuing the, the story. Um, in addition to that, they've got their own version of loot crates in this game as well. Something that I I sure as hell didn't see the internet explode when this bullshit came out, but they've got a spinny wheel, a little wheel of fortune thing that they do, and it's a lot more often as you're starting out in the game, and where I'm at now, like, at, like I don't know, like the maybe touching like the second quarter of, of the game, I believe, it's down to like every third level up I feel like I get one and now there's another way to spend skill points to unlock an a and I don't know I don't know if I want to call it an ability there's a thing you can unlock where you can buy wheel spins with your credits which sounds okay like I, I think I might do that a few times once I get to that point but they are pretty expensive to do again it's that like 100k number so looking at all that all things considered if the wheel was actually rewarding, it wouldn't be so bad. What happens is there's cars in there as slots. Then there's cash amounts, credit amounts. And the credit amounts go from one or 2,000 credits up to like 100,000 credits. I've hit the 100,000 credits never. I've landed on a car once. I have spun the wheels probably 20 30 times now and i have gotten one to ten thousand credits i'd say 80 percent of the time there's been a couple of times where i got like 20 or thirty thousand credits but like i said one car and it wasn't even a really good car well maybe it was i think it might have been it might have been like a lamborghini or something but still the ratio is horrible it does not feel, again, it feels punitive. It doesn't feel like it's actually like rewarding me for anything that I'm doing. Now there's also the fact that you can buy tokens with real dollars, which sounds exactly the same as buying crystals for loot crates in Battlefront. Yet, where is the internet explosion of rage? Where is the government intervention and, and investigations on basically gambling built into these games. None of that shit ever happened for this game. Double standard much? Eh. So that's kind of irritating. It really pisses me off that, again, I think it, it makes me more mad that people blew up Battlefront so much for this and blew up EA for it when Microsoft did the same goddamn thing last year and nobody said shit. No one. I, I, I can't say no one. I'm sure people bitched, but... I don't know. Like I said, double standard much because other games have been doing this for years. It's all over everywhere, yet all the freaks, all the freaking fricks <laughs> decided to pick on my precious Battlefront, and now I'm never going to see another game because EA is just going to cut it off. They're going to close freaking dice. They're going to shut everything down because people just can't shut up sometimes. <laughs> but I, too, like, I, I see the arguments with it, 
that, yes, this system sucks, and it is complete crap. I, God, I feel sorry for anybody that actually spent money buying tokens to get these wheel spins because they are hot, flaming garbage. Not a fan. Um, moving on from there, another game I bought, Road Redemption. Road Redemption is basically Road Rash 2017. Road Rash was that motorcycle racing game from back in the Genesis era. They made one on PlayStation that was pretty good too, um, but the series kind of died off. And whoa, that, that wasn't an electronic, <laughs> go stuttered. That was an electronic arts title as well. So back when EA wasn't a complete corporate whore bag. But this new title is an indie game. It was a Steam early access title. I don't know if it got like the green light thing on it too, but it's been, I feel like in production for probably like four years at least, like three to five, somewhere around there. I didn't hear or see anything when it finally got its actual like formal release. Well, now that I've had eyes on it, I've seen it's been like $20 to $25, I think, forever. It During the Black Friday sales, it dipped down to like $14.99 or $15. So, all right, cool. Pull the trigger. Having played it now, it is really fun. It's another good distraction. It's definitely not something I'm going to spend a ton of time in, though. Um, it feels almost like the first thing that comes to mind is like a mobile game a little bit. Um, not that there's not content, not that there's like microtransactions or pay to win or any of that crap, but it just doesn't feel like a fully featured game. Um, everything's fine. Everything works good. It's fun to play. There's little bugs here and there. There's some things that are just kind of goofy in the whole, I don't know, systems of the game, the way everything works, like the driving physics are okay, but like you'll hit objects and just be stuck there you have to open the menu you have to hit escape open the menu to actually reset your bike instead of just being a button so there's there's weird little just design elements like that that are kind of i don't know different but this is what you get with a, an indie title basically i mean it's it's the best this small group of people can put together and it's i mean it's playable it's great it's fine i love it but just when you try to think of it in terms of like AAA or mainstream stuff it's it's got that that little tinge to it no big deal the combat itself because it, it is it's a combat racing game the racing is fair the combat is mildly deep there's a ton of weapons that you can get there's like long weapons or short weapons there's guns bombs there's power attacks there's like a, a rocket jump that you get for the bikes there's all kinds of goofy stuff nitro from the start like as a default thing so there's a ton of different like upgrade chains that you can take down um there's a point system for doing damage to the other racers um getting kills on them getting special kills where if you hit somebody you could get a machete and if you hit a, hit a guy with no helmet on it'll decapitate him um yeah it's pretty graphic this is this is mortal combat racing i guess but um if you get those kills or if you like run them off the road into the side of a bridge or something and it kills them, like you get bonus points for all those things, which then after you um, complete a race, you can use to upgrade different skills or skill chains for the unlock and are persistent because the game is kind of procedurally generated. There are specific tracks, but it will change whatever the... Um, the objective is each time you race so you'll start out one time where first race is a simple get third or better the next race you go into has a different objective and next and next and next and next as soon as you die or have to restart that first race could be could be a completely different scenario now now you have to take out like the leader of this this road gang to get to the next race as opposed to getting third or better so it's got that little bit of randomness to it all throughout the races, when you do the, the story mode, you you get just these random um, objectives all the way through. So, like I said, you, you've got things like just a straight-up race. Then you've got the ones where you have to take out a whole biker gang or hit their leader. Then you've got ones where... I think there's ones where there's, like, targets that you have to blow up, like trucks that are driving along with the racers. And you get pipe bombs or sticky bombs, blow them up, and then... You've got 
What was the other one? There's like time trials where you have a certain amount of time to finish. So there's a bunch of different variety to it, which is fun. Um, from there, you get, as you progress in the story, you unlock more and more tracks and then you can do those with the online multiplayer. And then they have a, like a single race menu that you can go through and that unlocks more stuff. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do. Like I said, it's it's just another distraction type of game, so I don't think I'll get too far into it. I've played probably like 10, 15 hours of it already, and I, I don't know, I will probably come back a few more times before it just kind of gets retired. But it's fun, I enjoyed it, and for the price, it's right, I like it. On the console front, I am still, still waiting for Skyrim VR. This, Gamefly, <laughs> As much as I love them, I hate them. Like, because it's situations like this where I'm literally paying for nothing. I've been waiting for Skyrim, got two, three weeks now, because I sent, what did I have? Can't even remember what game I sent back initially, but I had Skyrim, I think I had maybe Wolfenstein at the top of my list, but then Skyrim was coming out, so I swapped them. I put Skyrim at the top, Wolfenstein was after it and something that I don't know I'm sure a lot of people asked for it but from the way Gamefly was originally set up they had your queue where you could say here's the the list of games that I want to get you're able to sort them from top to bottom by priority so whichever game you want most you put at the top it used to be you'd send a game in and they would just send you the first game on your list if that wasn't available, they would send the next game on the list. Then so on and so forth down the list. What I recommended to them years ago was why wouldn't you put like a hold or allow the user to put a hold on that first title to wait, I mean, a couple of days or indefinitely until it's available. So somewhere along the lines, they finally did that. So they must have had enough people kind of suggest the same thing and they did it. So now you have a setting in your account where you can set it to, if a game's not available, just ship me the next one, or wait a day, wait three days, wait six days, but that's it. There is no indefinite. So the only way to wait indefinitely is to delete all the games from your queue and only have that one that you want in there. What happened to me was I sent Wolfenstein back. I had, or no, I sent whatever that, that last game was back, I put Skyrim at the top of the list. They waited five of the six days and then sent me Wolfenstein. So they sent Wolfenstein, I think, the day before Skyrim even officially launched. So I completely got screwed out of whatever like queue there was for Skyrim at that point. Now I'm bottom of the list because I sent Wolfenstein back and now here I am. I'm waiting two to three weeks to get the to get Skyrim now because there's just no copies available. They're all out there. People are playing it. And this is a game that, yeah, if somebody's going to play through it, they're going to play 30, 40, 60 hours on it. I'm never going to get the game. And it sucks because that was a big, big hinge for me to sell my PSVR. So every day now, the value of that thing's going down, the likelihood of selling it before Christmas or any kind of holiday is gone, I, uh, I might be stuck with it. And it sucks because I was going to use that money to then get like a capture card or something or justify getting a capture card. But still remains to be seen how that's going to shake out. I really do. I, I need to try that game because that was one of the, the big selling points for me for VR on on console on the psvr especially is getting skyrim or fallout one of those big open world games so desperately waiting um i wish i had an in with gamefly to <laughs> turn some screws and get some kind of special treatment because damn it this this is bumming me out um to wrap up now last topic of the day battlefront 2 so still playing and still enjoying it for the most part. We've come across some new issues um, recently that are not game-breaking, but they're pretty damn annoying. So I was finally able to team up with a couple of my buddies because 
they bought the game on PC. We've we get on Discord to keep track of each other, and then in the game you can add people to your to your group, which basically puts you in a little sub chat group. But it does. As far as I've seen, it, it guarantees that you'll be on the same team, but it doesn't keep you on a squad together because the, the squad functionality is completely different in Battlefront than it was in Battlefield. In Battlefield, you could get on a squad with your buddies and you're stuck together, and then once you're in a match, you can spawn on each other, whoever's alive. Well, in Battlefront, they've completely nixed that. When you spawn, you're, you just get grouped together with whoever else is spawning at that moment up to four people and then it'll throw you out there the only benefit to that is if you stay within like a a 20 foot circle of each other you get extra um perks for like you get more experience for any kills that you do or any caps that you achieve so there is a benefit to it but you don't get to specifically play with your friends if we all spawn at the same time there's a higher likelihood that we'll be together. And then if we have our shit together, we can actually make like pretty good progress and do well together. But the game has really shown, sorry, stretch it. The game has really shown that it's a lot more run and gun than strategy. So as soon as we spawn, strategy kind of just goes out the window. (laughs) As frustrating as it is, it's still like, its own kind of fun. Um, having gone away from the strategy side of it, I I don't miss it myself. I know it is frustrating because you get out there and it feels like nobody's working no- together, nobody's on the same page, but even when you do, it doesn't really work anyway because there's only two or three of us that are on the same page. It's, it's me and my two buddies and that's it. Everybody else that's out there, the other 16 people on our team they're off doing whatever God knows what. Now, that gets into the real stinky patch of dog shit in the middle of Battlefront 2 now. The glitches. The hackers. The AFK bots. So, glitches aren't too bad, I don't think. Some things are annoying, like you still can't jump over objects that seem like you should really be able to jump over. There's no vault mechanic, so they don't your character won't climb on top of anything. Um, but then there's also this battlefield carryover glitch thing where it always feels like you're getting shot through walls or around corners because of the the server lag. I mean, it's what I chalk it up to, that the data transmission of shot, hit, shot, hit takes longer than the visual transaction so when somebody's shooting at you you see it you you get the the reaction that oh shit i'm getting shot you duck behind a wall then you die as opposed to being face to face with that person you will think that you got away from them because you did you physically moved out of their line of sight around a corner behind something only to die from their last shot that takes like a full half second to a second to register. So that shit's really annoying. But since I'm so used to it from Battlefield, because Battlefield's always been like that. That's part of their like core netcode or whatever. So eh, really kind of minimizes the, the pain of that one. The thing that sucks now, though, is the hackers, the cheaters, and the, the AFK bots. So the aimbots... That's that's a thing that's been around forever. The the cheat where people can write code or do whatever the hell they do. They alter or they read from the DLL file or whatever. This is something I, I just barely researched a little bit because I've never, I mean, from having not played PC games for a long time, like I don't know anything about the hacks and shit that are out there, but it's just kind of a pedestrian knowledge of it. So with the aimbots... What I saw is that they write some kind of script that can see what the game is logging for position tracking, the XYZ coordinates of everybody in the game. And it reads that information and points 
the cursor to exactly where people on the other team are and shoots. So it's that's an aim bot, basically. People are running around with those, getting 50, 60, 80 kills in a match where the second place, third place are getting like 20 to 30. So almost triple consistently more kills. It doesn't... I want to say it doesn't really upset the balance of the game, but it does because that's 60 extra kills that they shouldn't have got. But in my experience, like that person isn't really killing me that often. But I mean, God, yeah, they are. It's obvious that they're they're killing a shitload of extra people that they should not be able to. It's a cheat, plain and simple. The only thing that keeps it kind of, again, minimized is there's only one, maybe, or two of those people on a map, on a, a round. So I don't know. It's it's almost just like having somebody that's really good at the game. But it does. It it, it it swings the balance and it makes it kind of unfair. Um, aside from that, we've got these goddamn AFK script runners that you spawn into a match. Everybody runs from the, the starting point. And then you run past people that are literally standing in place or running into a wall and then backing off and then running into the wall again. Or jumping in place, just up and down, or jumping and shooting, or just doing variations of that kind of shit. They're not actually playing. There's nobody there. They're completely away from the keyboard. They're not doing anything. They're running a script that, or a macro, whatever, that keeps their character active so they don't get kicked for not doing anything. It's like a stupid-ass loophole. So they just sit there, they get no kills, they contribute nothing to the game... And they get points for either dying or being on the winning team. Because what happens with... Um, so the first time we saw him was on the blast mode, which is just kind of straight up team deathmatch. There's no objective other than kill the other team. They get points, like I said, for dying. So the spawn points are close enough to the action that the enemies will potentially see you, kill you, and you get 100 points for that. 100 points if they die five, six times, eh, Whatever. It's it's not that big of a deal. But if they die like 10 times, 1,000 points, if I play a match all the way through, I barely get like, if, if it's bad, like two to 3,000. The most I've gotten a blast match can't be more than like five or 8,000. So if they just run that bot through like eight matches, they've got it. And the idea is if they come back to the game and they play for the couple hours that they do like every day, well don't turn the game off, leave it on, put this little bot running and just leave it on for the other 22 hours of the day. When you, when they come back, they will have earned a substantial amount of credits potentially just from running the game, just from having that stupid bot in there collecting minimal points, but over a long period, it adds up. So it makes sense as to why they're doing it. Solutions for that, I don't know what they would actually do to, to get these guys. Um, right now, all we can do is just report them and hope that somebody can do the research and see that, yeah, they're literally not doing anything. EA has tools in place to, to do the reporting, but you have to provide screenshots of everything, and I don't even know how you prove that these people getting zero scores really didn't do anything negative. I mean, could they just suck that bad? But like, really, when you go six matches and these guys have zero kills across every single match, that says something. Like, it, you could run backwards in this game and do nothing but throw grenades and you will kill something somehow, some way, I'm sure. you. I, I can't really believe that anybody would be this terrible at the game to, to consistently score zero. Um but anyway, that's that's what we're dealing with. And what really screws everything up is it's not just one person. The matches now, there are four or five or six of these people on each team. It's literally a quarter to half of the people in a match are not actual people. They're just these stupid bots running in place. That completely kills the game. Because now... The things that used to balance it out, it's when you're in these big 20 versus 20 maps, 
there's a balance to it that just naturally comes in because it doesn't matter how bad you suck or how good you are, there's the counterbalance of somebody, okay, you're super good, you're getting 35 kills. Well, here's this guy that isn't very good at the game. He's getting two or three, but he's cannon fodder for the other team, which when these guys are AFK, they can't be killed. On the galactic assault maps, the big ones, they get spawned so far back that nobody can get to them. So they literally just sit there and they don't die until the game moves you to the next kind of checkpoint and deletes those old spawn points. So <laughs> there's that balance to it where, okay, they're, they're not getting all those kills that they should be getting, but then that keeps the game from progressing properly. Because now there's a, a potential that your team could win just on the fact that they can't kill everybody that they should be able to. Same goes for the other side, where if you need to kill the people on the other team, they're spawning where you can't get to them, and now you can't win. So it just, it does. It completely ruins the balance of any of the modes. It takes all the fun out of it because nobody's getting anywhere with it. It's super frustrating. And I mean, we, we can't figure out between the three of us what the hell the benefit is of doing this because there's nothing really that exceptional to unlock in the game unless like you really desperately need Darth Vader within like a couple of days or something I I don't know I don't know what they think they're going to get out of it like just pulling massive amounts of credits does nothing um they're not leveling up well I guess they are they're leveling up but that doesn't really open anything up for you either like, God, yeah, I just don't know. And going in and buying crates, like I've talked about before, the crates don't really swing anything that drastically either. Like, the biggest thing with um, the crates is just unlocking the base card for most things. Because that's what's locked away from the start of the game, is the base cards for all the classes. There's only, like, your basic abilities, and then everything else you have to unlock, either through crates or... Um, through using parts. You don't get parts for winning matches. Like, you get those from the daily crates and buying crates, and they're kind of slow. They're kind of grind-heavy. And the best way to get them is by actually playing the game and completing side objectives, like getting X amount of kills with this class, with this gun. Those give you the most parts. So if they're not doing that, they're not getting anything. It's just a, a circle jerk with no reward. Like, there's, it's bizarre cannot wrap our brains around it but all that shit going on it really i don't know it was still fun to play but you definitely don't have the satisfaction of winning and especially not legitimately like there's always a taint to it now which sucks like that that does that does suck so like i said it's it's still been fun i had fun but they definitely have to get their shit together. They they say they are they are aware of it, so I'm sure within the next week or two there might be some updates to hopefully curb some of this. But what sucks is what I would see as the quick solution, the easy solution, is just put some captcha challenges in there. If somebody's AFK and they're they're not scoring well, or I mean just do it to everybody. Like every other round, here's a captcha challenge. Type in the word that appears in this image, and that's it. And make it super simple, super straightforward. It can be something as dumb as just pizza or salad. Like, just anything. It doesn't have to be some convoluted, complex thing. But something to prove that there's an actual human at the keyboard at any point in time. That's what they need. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where it'll go. But like I said, I, I expect an update because, just like everything else with this game, the more people bitch, the, the bigger the problems get, and... Then they get the attention, they get the updates, but uh, we shall see, because there's content coming now for um, The Last Jedi. They've got some big, broad, sweeping challenges where you pick a side of the fight, where you're either Resistance or force, First Order, um, and there's new things to unlock, which will, I'm sure, be characters and vehicles, maybe, stuff based in the movie, um, but they... What are the challenges right now? I think the... So we did the First Order side, and the challenge was to kill... I want to say 20? 
20 or 50 get 20 or 50 kills with each different soldier class but the problem with it is it doesn't tell you how far you've progressed with any of them individually it tells you like the the overall number so like after a night i was at like 50 some odd out of 200 but i don't know for which class so if i go into assault and i get a bunch of kills are they going to count towards that I, it doesn't seem like it unless you know it's just an overall cumulative cumulative thing but that remains to be seen so there's that stuff going on so it makes me think that maybe they're going to be focusing on that more than fixing these aimbots and scripts, but we shall see. Some of the other good things, though, that have gone on. I got enough kills to unlock the final sniper rifle, which is badass. That thing is exceptional. I have to get some more kills to get the dual zoom so I could zoom in closer because it's, it's still hard to snipe people from really far away. But, man, the damage that it does, like, just... Finally, being able to one-shot people with a sniper rifle like you should be able to. It took 20, 30 hours of gameplay to get it. So, I don't know. I appreciate that I had to grind a little bit to get to it. Because, it, it, I mean, it's that much more satisfying to finally get it. As opposed to just having it from the start. This is also something that you can't get from unlocking cards. So, all of that kind of griping and bitching about the cards ruining the balance they're kind of moot like you have to actually play the game you have to get the kills to get the good guns so nothing's nothing's free um the other thing i got was i unlocked a burst mode for the what was it the third gun for the sniper class which the third gun on the specialist sniper class it's an assault class weapon with lower damage somehow it's the same gun that you can get as an assault class, but it does like one segment less damage. And the only benefit to it is you can unlock later this burst mode. And I, I don't know, it's still, like I said, the same gun, but now at least with the burst mode, I can actually kill people with one or two bursts. It was before, like it would take, I wanna say three to five headshots to kill somebody with that gun. So if you're doing body shots, my God, you could unload two full rounds of, because you don't reload in this, there's no bullets, but you could fire till you overheat twice and still not kill somebody if you suck like me. Like, <laughs> it was pretty terrible. It took a long time to get the kills to unlock the burst mode. Now that I've got it, yeah, it works. It's actually serviceable. I can use it. Um, there's still a couple more things to unlock for those guns, so I'll still grind them a little bit more, but now I'm finally branching out and doing some of the other classes now too, like Assault and Heavy, and even the Commander class, which is a pain in the ass, like, they've got really cool abilities, but it, it is, it's a fine art being good with them, so definitely looking forward to grinding on that a lot more. From there, I, that's all I've got. I, man, I hit close to an hour already, that's sweet just me talking crap about what I've been doing. So hopefully you're out there. Hopefully you came to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully you look forward to seeing more of me for whatever reason. I think you're crazy still, but hey, you're my kind of crazy. This has been the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. I am Jason Chevron Chops. And with all the usual stuff, you got to follow on Facebook and Twitter, at WAG Podcast. Also, I've got my live streams that i I don't know if I'll do one this week. Like I said, it's... Oh, I didn't say it explicitly, but it is my birthday. Ha ha ha. And it is officially my birthday now, looking at the time, because it's really late. Um, But yeah, with all that, I, I might stream. I don't know. I still want to work some other things out, because I can't... I can't stream the games that I want to, because I want to do um, Symphony of the Night really bad. And I need to get a capture card to be able to do that because I need to run it through my PS3. Or I guess I could dig out the PS2. But something. I can't do it on the PS4 because they're stupid and they don't let you play PS1 games on there for whatever goddamn reason. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. So we'll see. I might be on. I might not today. But look forward to the streams most every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. And until next time, thanks for listening. 